Warning, this episode contains foul language, a lot of references to the male member, and some pretty graphic descriptions of a medical nature. listening to Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, sneaky, eerie, hideous, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week we sit down together and we talk about something weird. And this week we are continuing on with part two of the weirdest places on earth. Some natural, some man-made, and all of them make us say, a what now? We are focusing this time around on a strange and unexplainable historical landmark, some bizarre and downright creepy actual museums that exist in the world, and maybe a discussion on what sort of strange roadside attraction we're going to open one day. I don't know. Just come along for the ride because it's about to be a weird-ass trip around the globe. My name is Lauren, and this is my co-host, Ashley. Hi, weirdos. What now? Oh, what now? I made it. I liked it slightly less teacher Lauren this week. <laughs> oh, you, you know what? I didn't hear any ooky or kookies in there. I wasn't so. like ooky, spooky, beep, ba, ba, because I, I actually re-listened after we recorded and I was like, oh, I did get very cutesy last time. <laughs> Here's but the I, thing. I do like, that a lot. <laughs> I like it. Now, I'm not a dude tuning into a podcast for a first time who Fair. might be like, what I hate the this. Fuck is happening. I'm not listening <laughs> spooky, to this. Ookie, this kooky. That is very fair. And I would be like, ah. <laughs> but yeah, you have to think of all the listeners who tune in and listeners. say, "Oh no, are they just going to talk about kids Halloween movies? What did yeah. I tune into?" So I try so to apologize go a to everyone for talking about my period. <laughs> Last week. We did do that last week. Honestly, y'all need to learn about it, though. Guess what? Next episode is all about sex, so you're about to have a rude awakening if you think that 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 was was the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) If you think talking about the period for one minute was it. Yeah. If you don't think I'm going to give a very detailed description of my private parts next week. (laughs) You're out of your mind. <laughs> You're going to learn things you never wanted to know you about us, everybody. Know. No, I was just about to say, speaking of, if we just want to get them warmed up even more, I just figured I would say I started my period today and it sucks. Oof. And I just That means want I'm going to be starting soon because we're on the same I know, we're, we're always close. Cycle. We're always very close, even though we haven't seen each other in like a year, guys. I know. No. So just take that. We're just, we're connected. We are connected hive across the city. Hive mind, everybody. Just take that for what it is. Uh, real quick, I want to send a quick hello, welcome, and thank you to Marvin Miller and Angela Mayers for becoming patrons of our show. We love you. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you, guys. I like how I did a cheer. Like I was like in a really big auditorium. I'm like, yeah. I feel like I heard shaking on your end. Like, was a bracelet shaking? I did, shaking? sort of. I, okay. No, I just kind of moved my arms. I was really getting into it. <laughs> I love it. Thank you guys so much for supporting our show by donating. We now have 95 patrons, which is just That's so cool. crazy town. Cannot for, believe it. For a podcast like us that is not in the big times, that is amazing. And you mm-hmm. all are incredible. Thank you. Yeah. If you want to join up and get newsletters and multiple bonus episodes every month, head over to patreon.com slash keepaweirdpodcast to check it out. Also, yes, Marvin Miller is Andrew and Megan's dad. Yes, it is the sweetest thing that's ever happened to me. We just keep adding the Miller family. (laughs) 
They're all there. It actually may be his mom, D. Um, okay, that's fine. But <laughs> I don't know who it is, but I just know that I'm obsessed with the entire family. The, he, he also has a little brother named Jeffrey. So, Jeffrey, if you are <laughs> listening. <laughs> Wait, how old is Jeffrey? Can he listen my to My sister's this age. He was my oh. sister's friend. And, oh, and a my, full isn't adult. that sweet? Yeah. Okay. Um, Jeffrey, join us. Come to the Patreon. Let's do it. <laughs> Come to the dark side, Jeffrey. <laughs> um, do you have any other old business? Oh, did you watch Sasquatch? No, I still oh, haven't damn. watched it. Okay. And it's because I wanted to watch it on 420 last week after mm-hmm. maybe partaking in a candy. Candy That's all pain. I'll say about the candy. But you know what I did instead? I listened to you and Joe's bonus episode and laughed mm-hmm. my ass off. So hard that tears were streaming down my face. My eyes were puffy and I had to go to sleep immediately after. And then I forgot. So did you (laughs) (laughs) did you finish? That doesn't sound like a high person. (laughs) Not at all. Did you finish Sasquatch? Because it's what? Is it three parts? It's just three episodes. Uh, We finished it that night on 420. I mean, of course you did. It was the best. I, okay, I really need to watch it. I know I say that all the time, but, like, I actually, I know I'm usually watching Real Housewives, but currently my Bravo app isn't working, so I have nothing, nothing to do, you guys. I will say if you, um, if you have the Paramount app, which I believe was the CBS app, um, there's, like, 20 seasons of the Real World Road Rules Challenge. I do enjoy the challenge. <laughs> we lie. just started watching it and Dude, I was like, this rules. <laughs> it's so good. The challenge and Survivor have been piquing my interest. Like, I'm into the competition shows lately. I needed a break from just the brunches and the dinners yeah. of the housewives. So it was I nice. just, I'm, I'm really into trash TV right now. I'm gearing yes. up because we actually have an episode later this season. We're doing a reality TV episode. We have a, a very special guest coming on who has a bachelor um podcast and she's actually been in a famous reality tv spoof so i'm just I'm beefing so up on my reality tv is what i'm doing i'm watching 90 day fiance i watch all of yes, the um so jersey shore yes yeah every time I'll, I'll, ashley I'll texts me about a reality show like a little part of me just lights Comes up alive. a little firework comes out of my heart because all I do is talk about reality TV to her and I numb her brain and I'm so happy she's coming around. Still can't get into Vanderpump Rules. I'm really sorry. I know you love Vanderpump Rules, but I can't. it's fair. Listen. I can't. I hate them. It is. It is my favorite and I own that, but that only speaks to how garbage of a person I am because honestly, (laughs) even my friends that love reality as much as me, they will also say that Vanderpump is the worst. Like, it is the known one that is like, oh, I'll watch that. so bad. Yeah. They're like, the housewives, I'll watch. But Vanderpump, I have to turn off immediately. So you are not alone. Okay. I let it pass. I understand. I don't judge you. Vanderpump sucks. It's just my weird guilty pleasure. I wish I was friends with all of them only to make fun of them. But the housewives, you have to watch. I know. I've never seen any of the housewives. But every single time I see a clip from the housewives, I'm like, why don't I watch this show? That woman just dove across the table and punched the other woman in the face. And this is a dream. Why am I not watching? Especially in the early seasons. They really go at it. (laughs) All right. We're going to travel again. We're going all around the world. I don't know. Are you going all around the world? I am. I'm going all over with my museums. But you kick us off. Very excited. Yeah. So for this strange place, we're traveling to Peru, the birthplace of strangeness. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. For real. Jesus Christ. Peru really is... A great tourist destination for someone looking for unexplainable phenomenon in ancient ruins. They've got Machu Picchu, which to this day we have no idea how the Incas built the city no. without steel, mortar, or wheels. And they have all those elongated skulls. Ugh, this. Who were I they? I just don't get it. Peru also has the Nazca lines, which I talked about last season. Oh, yeah. There's also Cusco and Pisac. The Incas were wild. They were Real wild. wild. They did a lot. But one of the most mysterious places in Peru is known as the Puerta de Hayumarca, and it may be the entrance to another dimension. Tell me more. Or, possibly, it's just a pink door to nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's one or the other. 
It's not in between. So <laughs> the legend of Puerta de Hayumarca began over half a millennium ago. For the Incans, Lake Titicaca, which was always my favorite lake growing up. I was up. just going to say, uh, I always giggled as a kid, and I still giggle as an adult, yeah. so bring Titicaca. it on. Titicaca. Um, can't get in trouble for saying it. I think that's why Cannot. I liked it. Yep. Uh, for the Incans, Lake Titicaca, where the door is located, was where the world was born. It was also the place their souls would return to after death. So it was the Garden of Eden and heaven. So this is a very, very, very important place to them. It was the birthplace of the universe because Contiki Veracocha emerged from the lake's waters and then created mankind, heaven, the sun and the moon, and even all other gods because the Incas were polytheistic. Okay. Anyway, he crawled out of this lake, he made everything, then he traveled far and wide teaching humanity and arts and spirituality before he said, see you later to the Incans, and headed west across the Pacific, never to be seen again, but promising one day to return to this exact place. Aww. Just like Jesus. I was just He's just say, like we, Jesus, y'all. Does everybody just have one of those? Those yeah. people that go away and say they're going to come back Everyone and we wait one. and wait and wait? All right. So what's interesting about this Incan legend is that um, as far as we can tell, the Incans did not build this structure. Oh. Tiwanaku, a city in the ruins near Lake Titicaca, looks very similar to Incan sites, but archaeologists don't have a single clue who built the city because it predates Incans. What? And yet, somehow, the ruins have some of the most precise stonework ever found in South America. Who done it? Who done it? We don't know. We don't know who came before the Incans. That's as far back as we got. But in the year 2000, divers discovered a sunken city as well and a temple at the bottom of lake, the lake of Lake Titicaca. It's just it's a very fascinating place all around. Right. So the legends surrounding the door. One, it was built by the fabulous Contiki Veracocha. We already covered that. And another legend they have is about an Incan priest named Aramumuru. So during the Spanish conquest of South America, which was a fucking bloodbath, by the way, <laughs> there was an Incan priest named Aramumuru who served in the Temple of the Seven Rays, who had dreams about this place and this door and how to open it. So he fled to the city of the gods with the help of several priests and by using a golden disc now known as the key of the gods of the seven rays, <laughs> he was able to open this small door in the face of the rock. And according to their legend, when the key was placed in the door, it transformed into a tunnel that was lit with an unearthly blue light. He passed through the barrier and entered the tunnel and the door closed. And many people believe that he went to live in the land of the gods and is still there today. So wow. that was the legend for a long time. We knew about the supposed gate of the gods, but we had no idea where it was. Yeah. Well, the discovery of this place in modern times proved to be just as mystical as everything else. Great. So... It was the 90s. We were all having a really good time. And this guy, Jose Luis Delgado Mamani, was having weird dreams. Sounds familiar. Uh -huh. He had dreams about a reddish mountain with a gate cut in it. And a blue shimmering light was emanating from his, this opening. He ended up getting a job as a tour guide in the Lake Titicaca area. One day in 1996, he decided to go out walking to familiar familiarize himself with the area. And according to him, he was walking past this site when he felt something call out to him. In an interview, he said, when I saw the structure for the first time, I almost passed out. I have dreamed of this building on several occasions over the years. But in the dream, the path to the door was paved with pink marble and pink marble statues lined up on either side of the path. I had commented on these dreams many times to my family. So when I finally found the door, it was like a revelation from God. Wow. So a lot of people call bullshit. They doubt the dream stories. But also a lot of people believed him, especially since they believed the story of Aramu Maru, who dreamt of the door before he went through it. And, you know, yeah. like he did basically accidentally stumble upon the discovery of a lifetime he just yeah. happened to stumble upon an ancient ruin that's been talked about or you know illustrated in 
the Inca to accidentally find this ruin that everyone has wanted to find and that yeah. has like only to this point just been this mythical story like that is insane yeah just a door like so yeah. what's inside what's behind the door we don't know we have no idea <gasps> It looks, it's basically a mountain, sort of, like a small mountain. It is reddish, reddish pink. And it looks like a small human-sized door carved into a large garage door in the side of a mountain. And there's no way to open the door. We don't even know what it, if it is actually. It, it has like creases. It looks like it can open. But we don't know if it actually could be pulled off yeah. of the hillside. Okay. It looks like it should be able to open. And right. then there's a small indentation sort of... Not exactly center, but a little bit center of the door. There's a small indentation, and supposedly that's where you put the key, which I'll talk about too. Okay. I'm looking uh, at it now so I can have this visual. Oh, yeah. wow. See what I mean? So yes. it's like, is it a door? I don't know. Mm-hmm. 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 Looks like a door. But there's no way to open the door. Of course, you know, not without a key. The key. Right. What is the key? The key. Supposedly the key was the famous Peruvian golden sun disc. It was the, one of the most sacred and valuable artifacts of the Inca. And legend states that it came from the sky and was recovered from Lake Titicaca. Like that's always really exciting for me because of my personal beliefs in like right. extraterrestrials and shit. But at the same time, like everything came from the sky. I know. <laughs> like, it's like how many everything times can people came say, from, a what? from above, from, from the sky. Above, but from the sky. that's why I giggled. Is just because the, I'm also with you. Where I'm like, yeah. of course it came. Of course from came from the, the sky. sky. Where else would it come from? <laughs> But yeah, so it was uh, recovered from the lake. It was three feet wide and made of rare translucent gold and was said to have magical powers like healing injuries, stopping time, even preventing earthquakes, which would be beneficial seeing as this ancient city is built on a major fault line and is held yeah. together by the grace of God because they didn't use mortar. Oh, it's going to crumble. Okay, well. <laughs> I know. What are we going to do? <laughs> It was held in the Temple of the Sun in Cusco until the Spanish conquistadors landed in Peru in 1532 and destroyed that temple. And from here, there are only legends of where the disc or the, you know, quote unquote key could be. Some people believe they were able to be saved by the Inca people and taken to Gran Petit, which is a city we haven't found yet. <laughs> okay. So maybe <laughs> it's there. Me? Some people believe it was placed high up in the Andes where no one could reach it. Others say it would be in the ruins uh, of the city at the bottom of Lake Titicaca. We have no idea. We don't know. Does it even exist? It could have been melted down. Like, sure. no one knows. But my favorite thing about the Gates of the Gods is what modern occultists and UFO enthusiasts, specifically my dudes, the ancient alien theorists, yes. is what they believe about the door. Okay. They believe it's one of many stargates placed on Earth. And this is a very popular theory for those who believe in aliens as interdimensional beings. Mm -hmm. A stargate is an otherworldly door or portal to outside realms that are hidden within Earth's magnetic fields, waiting to, you know, transport enlightened travelers to a different place in space-time. And also, they're the places that allow ETs to enter and exit our dimension. I mean, literally, when I was just looking up a photo, the first photo that popped up is the ancient Stargate at Hyamarca yeah. and the FBI connection to interdimensional travel. So I love yep. the internet. Continue. The internet's great. I, so I love it. Most scientific people believe Stargate. Stargates are a real thing, by the way. They're wormholes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, you know, scientific people believe stargates are located in space. They refer to them as wormholes. And wormholes, for anyone who doesn't know, um, are also known as Einstein-Rosen bridges. And it's basically a space portal that occurs when space-time is distorted. And space-time gets distorted one of two ways that we know of, either by intense gravitational fields created by the collapse of a star... Or by the mingling magnetic forces of the Earth and the Sun that cross each other in space. And yeah. it's usually greatly advanced by um, violent solar winds. So you do find it closer to the Sun. Wormholes. Evidence of wormholes. Not that we've ever, like, taken a picture of right. one. So some of these portals are gaping holes that are sustained for significant periods of time. But most are short-lived and they open and close several times in a day. 
And the problem with the theory of wormholes is that they can be almost impossible to find because they're unstable and elusive. It could take years to locate one. By the time you do, it's closed. It doesn't exist anymore. However, a plasma physicist named Jack Scudder has discovered a technique for spotting the portals, the wormholes. He basically found what he calls X points where the intersecting magnetic fields flowing between the Earth and the sun propel vast amounts of charged particles out of the portal. So they would actually be easy to spot if you had the correct instruments and the correct data. Like you knew what you were looking for and you had a tool to find it. You could measure it. Yeah. So once he was able to recognize these indications of a potential portal, he was able to find similar patterns occurring all over the place in Earth's atmosphere. And this is real enough that these patterns are observed by NASA. Um, their spacecraft Themis that orbits the Earth at all times. And in 2015, NASA admitted that these portals are a reality and they've been studying them for a long time. Wow. And as you said, there are declassified FBI and CIA documents that claim we've had contact with interdimensional beings. And perhaps this contact was through a Stargate. Probably. (sighs) I get passionate about this. Some other famous supposed stargates on Earth include the Bermuda Triangle. Duh, we love it. Stonehenge, the Gate of the Sun in Bolivia, and possibly even the Great Pyramid of Giza. Um, According to most people who visit the Gate of the Gods in Peru, the energy they feel there is undeniable. Researchers have claimed that you feel energy pulsing if you place your hands on the door. Jeez. Others have heard strange rhythmic music. Some have claimed to have had visions of columns of fire and things beyond this world. Uh, Sizable UFO activity has been reported in the area, most of them describing glowing blue spheres and bright white disc-shaped objects. Okay. Which, you know, all of this, aliens and everything, it all directly lines up with ancient Peruvian's prophecy that the door of the gods will one day open up, quote, many times bigger than it actually is and allow the gods to return in their sunships. In their sunships? That's a spaceship, y'all. Oh my gosh. They're literally telling us. Yeah. They've all been telling us Mm -hmm. for so long that they are coming back in their spaceships to visit us or to take us, whatever they want to do. But they have been warning us, Ashley. You know. We actually have another alien episode coming up, and I don't care if you're tired of it, because guess what? I'm not tired of it. I'll never be tired of it. We'll it's never happening. be tired of it. Uh, we've got our good friend Caitlin from Gothia Book coming on the show, and we're actually going to be um, discussing aliens in a more uh, spiritualist kind of way, I guess you could say. Like we're gonna be spiritual is a yeah. We're gonna be um. Uh, it's not gonna be like abduction stories and and um. Not the uh, usual. Yeah, it's gonna be a little different. We're gonna be talking about like the theories and and it's gonna be fun. I'm really excited. But also, even if we were gonna tell abduction stories, everyone just enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah, like we're never gonna stop. But. Yes, to Ashley's point, we are going to be taking kind of a different look at it, which I'm really excited about, honestly. And the stories you've told both today and last week have just gotten me even more amped up. Yeah, I didn't mean to do two stories on, like, potential alien stuff. But, like, of course you did, because they're coming for us, and they've been warning us all throughout history, and all of these signs are just pointing to it. Mm -hmm. And I don't... I don't understand how more people are believing it. And again, I'm sorry I get so heated. But I just, even just pulling up these photos, because I was just trying to follow along with your story, I'm immediately following all these links to like, okay, the FBI is interested in this location. The FBI has done this and this. Oh, there's another place that directly lines up with this door and it's the gate of the sun or whatever. You know, like we- That's the one in Bolivia. Right. We keep getting all these connections and yet we're still like, everything's fine. It's just this, it's just a rock. It's not. It's It's not. not. Yeah. That's fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. We'll we'll find out one day either we'll be alive or we'll die and it'll be the first question I ask. 
100%. It's like you said before in the episode, like, when we die, these are going these are going to be the questions on our list of, like, show me or at least let me peer back into the world and watch it be revealed 30 years after we die. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> you want to hear about some museums? I want to hear about some museums so bad. <laughs> There's so many weird ones, you guys. Okay, um... We've been to one, first of all. It's called the (laughs) Museum of Jurassic Technology. It's my favorite place um, in Los Angeles. I was going to ask you. uh, Yeah, I was going to ask if you wanted to bring it up. We have been to the Museum of Jurassic Technology in Culver City. Have we been together only the one time, right? Um, It felt like twice, but was it only once? I'm trying to think of who else I could. No, I think it was only I think it was only the once. It was only the one time. Maybe we just talked about it more. But I I had been a few times because I used to live literally a block away from it. Yeah. And I just took everyone there because friends would come to visit or just even come to my side of town like Ashley did. And I said, let me show you the weirdest thing you've ever seen in your life. Mm-hmm. And you can't prepare anyone for no. it. You just have to go in and accept it. Yeah, I I don't know if I've actually like explained it on the show. I probably have, but listeners, this place is like it had to have been like a house or something. I think it was because there's all these like weird hallways and stairways and stuff. It it's like the point of this place is that there is no point, and also kind of to disorient you. Like you get kind of lost in there, and there's yeah. there's like an entire room dedicated to cat's cradle, and there's just these like disembodied hands coming out of the wall with all these like cat's cradle designs on it, and then videos playing of people doing cat's cradle, and then string that you can grab and try and do it yourself. Which and, I appreciate because it made yeah. me remember how much I loved Cat's Cradle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's like a room full of just old china from like the 50s, just mm-hmm. kitchenware. You can like pick it up. Like it's not like behind a case or anything. You can pick up all this old china. But my There's favorite also, thing is. Oh, you're probably going to say my favorite thing. Is it the tea room? Yes. Yeah. The The owner of the museum serves you tea and cookies, and there's dogs, and then you walk outside, and there's birds. But you're not giving it the proper strangeness. Imagine a David Lynch movie. Literally, (laughs) you walk up this very thin hallway, fits like one body, and you get up there. The first time I went in there, this is what I saw. I get up there, I look in this room. There is a pregnant woman sitting on a couch with her full stomach showing and Uh a greyhound dog laying on the couch next to her and she's not talking to anyone and then there's this woman that like floats into the room like she has no legs and there's another greyhound there and the greyhounds are completely silent they don't come anywhere near you they just sit and stare at you and then she's like would you like tea and i'm like i don't fucking know what's it gonna do to me like i already feel like i've shrank down to like Alice in Wonderland size. I don't know where I am. And then they give you tea Definitely and cookies. Definitely dropped acid. Yeah. I remember um, taking uh, Joe there. Remember, he was like, I'm leaving. He left. Because yeah. he was Hated like, it. I don't want to be, th- be in there anymore. Hated every second. Anyways, um, it's a place I highly recommend for anyone visiting LA. Go to the Jurassic Museum of Technology. Especially since they're probably going to be hurting after this COVID stuff. So. They are. And can I just say that I did donate money to them during COVID because they weren't open. I was Uh, like, even though I don't understand what what you guys do, I want you to stay open forever. So I donated money. I'm hoping that they stay open. But yeah, the tea room upstairs followed by the open air bird sanctuary. Mm -hmm. Yes, atrium is what you call it. I was like, what am I about to say? And there's usually a man playing the accordion out there as well just to... (laughs) Be the cherry on that's, top. I think that's what set Joe off. Like, Joe was sitting in this uh, atrium. There was all these, like, pigeons and different birds sort of, yeah. like, flying around. It's very beautiful and peaceful and quiet. And, it is. And Lots of Joe's plants. just like, wow, man. And then this guy walks out silently and just starts playing the accordion. He was like, I'm leaving. It's like, I have to head out. Like, and right, we were bye. like, we'll meet you at happy hour in 30 <laughs> minutes. But we actually we're have gonna to go, go back into the We're going to go watch this theater. weird film. 
I was just going to say, sorry, Joe, we already had tickets to the weird theater show that was like a covered wagon going through the open Snow. field. Yeah, I don't know. It's awful. Guys, it, it's a lot. Um, But also go see it. But because also go. even what we're saying doesn't get like no. do it justice. It's an experience I don't think you can have anywhere else. So that's a very no. special thing. Yes. That is a great way to kick off some of the weirdest museums in the world because it is it would make this list. It's very bizarre. But we're going to go ahead and jump over to Iceland, if you guys don't mind. I thought this would be a fun way to kick things off because it's we're just really going in. And it also is, I guess, a little bit of foreshadowing to next week. Mm-hmm. The Iceland Phallological Museum. Oh, no. <sighs> is the premier institution to learn about the male sex organ. The website describes itself as probably the only museum in the world to contain such a large collection of phallic specimens. Right. They're proud of it. They own it. (laughs) Here it is. So there's no pornography, but you do get to walk in and admire 276 penises. They range from the tiniest hamster member, that is the smallest one they have, which is two millimeters, to a huge, colossal, private part of a sperm whale, which is 1.7 meters. It's huge. So they go kind of all over the scale. You get to see it all from different animals to even different humans, everybody, because they receive donations from humans who want to, you know, do their part. Literally, and give Wait, so are their they part. A- they're actually dicks? They're not, like, uh, yes. sculpture? Oh, no, they're or- not recreations. They're real, Ashley. They're real. No. Yes. They have a whale penis. They have a hamster penis, and they have I several human I mean, I figured those penises. were real, but I figured the human dicks were just, like, you know. Oh, that's so sweet that you thought that. So did I. But we were wrong. <laughs> we were so wrong. They, humans have donated their parts like i guess either like when they were dying they said they wanted it donated to this museum or someone in their family wanted it donated or they were in a situation where they lived beyond their penis and were able to donate it themselves there have been multiple situations the very first human penis that they received was a 95-year-old Icelandic man in 2011. He was about to die, and he was like, take it! Take my manhood. So he kicked things off. And the focus of this museum, it is very important. The museum wants you all to know. The focus is not sexual. It is all scientific. You will see how different species vary in their male downstairs area, which is the scientific term. (laughs) (laughs) In the male downstairs area is what I like to call it, if you're wondering. Um, You will learn all about it from every species of the world, which I guess to a certain type of person would be interesting. Yeah. And maybe you want to see how the sizes vary. I could see how it would interest people, but to me, it... It just sounds like a nightmare. Nowhere I want to no, be. No, I'm looking at pictures and this is hell. This is a literal thank you. hell okay. on earth. Google images will just ruin your life. Because on top of just even seeing like a penis set forth before you, listen to this. What the website will say are like the don't miss exhibits mm-hmm. are lampshades made out of bull testicles. Um. Yep. Um. Hello. Good morning. I said it. A tree trunk carved to look like a phallus. That's fine. Which is fun, but also like, I who is everybody? And then an unusually big penis bone from a very specially endowed Canadian walrus. Those are the must-see things at right now. <laughs> the Canadian walrus pelvic bone is what you should all be wanting to see. Everyone, go take a gander. No, but seriously, Ugh, no, just. This is an elephant dick. Oh, it's so big. Oh, the elephant. See, you didn't even see the pelvic bone of the mm-hmm. walrus, but the elephant dick is there for you. If anyone was curious, do not worry. The Iceland Phallological Museum is here for you. Enjoy some photos online the way Ashley is. Maybe cry. Maybe don't look at all. It is totally up to you. But I just wanted us all to know 
that it exists. Listen, biology is biology. Your body is beautiful. Everyone's body is beautiful. And you know what? So is that walrus. And so is that hamster. (laughs) I hate this. I hate it so much. And again, like to your point, everybody is beautiful. And I know that there are people who have an interest in biology. For sure. And want to see human and animal anatomy. This is the But there are books. And (laughs) nowadays, if we're, you know, that's referring to the olden days where books were a thing. Just kidding. We all love books. But I was trying to make a point that nowadays there's Google. Like literally Ashley is looking at all this. I'm looking at all the dicks right now. She's looking at the museum's Google images, but also you could Google all of the things that we're talking about. So I'm sort of like, why, how, when? But, you know, people like to travel to Iceland. It's a huge tourist spot. And I don't know if they just thought... Maybe we're going to pull in more people this way. This is what we needed. How do we get the weirdos in town? <laughs> this was it. So, well, to there be it fair, is. the place kind of looks like it was supposed to be a craft store. And <laughs> some guy bought it and then was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fill this place with dicks. I just saw one of the human ones. I'm out <laughs> of here, Lauren. <laughs> Ashley, stop looking. I don't know why you're looking. I I don't know why you made that mistake. You thought you were stronger than you are. Also, I love the idea that a Michael's craft store was turned (laughs) into a phallic museum. He was like, no one wants to buy my my paper mache. And it's like, well, let's do dicks. Gotta try something different. What what else do you like? (laughs) Instead of the ribbon center at the back of the store, it's just elephant pieces. I like making ornaments. And I love dicks. <laughs> of all sizes. And no one wants my ornaments. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> so here we are. Oh, my gosh. Um, oh, that really great. got me. I'm so sorry you looked at the photos. It's you fine. should have known better. I just like um, to see what you're seeing. I know. I really thought that was a nice way to dive into it. <laughs> um, okay, we're moving on to something a little darker, but also fascinating that i know i will say this wrong please everyone excuse me but the siri raj medical museum or the museum of death in thailand it shouldn't be taken lightly when a museum is known as the museum of death of course no kidding we have one in la and i can't go i know and it's dark but this one is next level and it's because it's supposed to be for medical purposes but i truly don't know how it's just open to the public and how people go in so you cannot enter this place if you get queasy easily that is the first thing to know it is it is more than just the history of death and the stories and you know what we think about it how we go about it which is I think what other Museum of Deaths maybe go for. I don't know. I haven't been to the other ones and I haven't been to the one in LA, but that's kind of what I've heard of them. This one is very medical. So it's in Bangkok in Thailand. You're first welcomed by the museum founder's skeleton that is proudly on display. I love that. So that's the first thing you see just to say, hello, welcome to death and skeletons. Then you walk further along and you see hemorrhaged brains Severed and mutilated legs and arms, lungs cut by deep knife wounds, and skulls punctured by bullets, Mm. demonstrating how bullets ricochet around inside your head when you die. So pretty much, this museum is the most gruesome ways to pass on to the next life, all on display like a local art museum. It is set up as if you're looking at paintings and sculptures, but as dark and crazy as that sounds, it is a huge hit. People are curious enough about the way the body reacts to trauma that they come from far and wide to see this place. And the deaths and bodies that are on display are not natural causes. They are looking for that trauma. They are looking for murder, honestly. There's even a whole section dedicated to that. Wow. So this very morbid exhibition, reportedly the most popular attraction in the capital, is mostly attended by medical students and professionals who want to learn more And it is even connected to a hospital, which I just briefly mentioned. So it is very scientific and medical. You're getting the good information. 
but it is just so focused on almost like the murder side. Like one of the most famous exhibits is in the specifically forensic area. Like, cause there's a couple different areas of this. And the most popular one is when you go into the forensics and you're looking for the murder story specifically and how when a body does not die from natural causes, what happens? And we kind of want to see what's going on. So that is the most visited part of it. And that it's not a surprise because we all love true crime and our podcast specifically where we talk about these things. So it does make sense. But other areas include a parasite division where there are parasites on display ranging from teeny tiny, barely visible, have to look in a microscope parasites to holy buckets. How does that live in your body and feed off of you? And included with the parasites, the limbs and the forensics area all about murdered bodies You can also go into an area that teaches you about organs and when they go into failure because of your diet or your alcohol consumption, and it teaches you preventative measures to live your healthiest life. So after the darkest museum visit of your life and seeing organs that have just like shriveled up into nothing and limbs that have been cut off and reading about, you know, these horrible murders and parasites you do go into a teachable moment where it says, but you know what? Here are things you can do to be healthy. Here's what you can eat. Here's what you can drink. Here's how you can avoid these things. And maybe you can help your friend if they're about to get murdered. So at the end of the day, they're trying to help you. I guess they really cover it all. But I think I would throw up very quickly throughout this because as much as I love horror movies and true crime, if I were to see something real i don't know if i would react well to it maybe i don't know i just stumbled upon something (gasps) show me are you gonna talk about because i don't understand notorious cannibal yeah but like (laughs) is that who's standing in this case i'm just looking at photos and i want to know more about this this here if you have something on it If this is what you're looking at, that was going to be my last note on it. Like, with every museum that I'm covering, I have a, like, don't miss this thing, which is what I was talking (laughs) about the last place. I love that. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at, by the way, guys, if you look up pictures of the Thailand Museum of Death, like, please be warned. It is way worse than the dicks. Yep. Way worse. You don't think it can get any worse. You don't think it it can, but then I just saw so many dead bodies. But yeah, that was the one that stood out to me. And I was like, please talk about this guy. Okay, please go on. So the don't miss exhibit that I was going to say of this one, which honestly, it's the one that I think I want to miss because I think it would upset me is the mummified body of, again, I won't know how to say this name, this Thai man, Si Huey. who was a notorious cannibal who murdered several children during the 1950s. His actual mummified body is in this museum in the forensic medicine section that I mentioned before. And they wanted to put it in there because, again, they're talking about, you know, people who were murdered or went through this trauma, and this man was known to murder very young children and then rip out all of their organs to consume And so they wanted to put his body in there just to sort of be this, like, signal and this start of, like, you are about to enter the very dark, murderous part of this museum. So that is one of the top exhibits, which is crazy. I bet people are thinking, oh, it's in a case, like, horizontally. Um, No. No. It's in what looks like a phone booth. And he's standing up, and he's just black, rotted, just a yep. corpse, just a, a mummy, pretty much, standing in a Straight up phone mummy. booth. A mummy who was once a living monster yeah. is just looking at you when you go in there. Man, oh man. I know there were um, people pleading to get him taken down, like specifically people who lived in the community where he mostly wreaked havoc. I don't know if that actually happened. It may have. So just to, yeah. you know, if anybody is Googling this to check it out, there is a chance he has been taken down. And I sort of hope he has. Well, like I weirdly love the idea of the museum's founder being a skeleton. Love that. Here. Yeah. Because you know that but he would have been the like the rules. This is my jam. Right. But yeah, the um, apparently, though, 
the reason that people want it taken down, one, it's like grotesque, but two, mm-hmm. there's it seems to be there are doubts about whether he actually did these things. And yeah, whether or not he questions. was just a person who didn't speak very good Thai and mm-hmm. They pinned it on him because they need a scapegoat. It it was easy. Yeah. I know. I've seen a little of both. Like some people believe this guy wasn't actually in charge of the murders. And then other people say they don't like seeing him because it just reminds them of the terror that happened in the Mm -hmm. town. It's It's a little of both. And nobody does know the truth. But that almost signals even more like why he's important to the forensic division. Right. Because it's sort of like, we use forensics to find out these things, you know? I don't know if maybe he is the perfect mummy to be sitting there, but... Man, oh, man. I know. There's a lot to unpack there, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. But it is such a weird museum that exists. I'm going to lighten things up, though. Don't you fear? Because we have to. We've been through a lot tonight. There is a British lawnmower museum. Okay. (laughs) So round up your dad in his cargo shorts and head on over because we're going to go to this museum in England where pops might want to check out the newest models. So what some of us might consider like this crazy aspect of suburbia and just like this is what it is when you have a house and you have a yard and blah, blah, blah. There, people actually are very fascinated by the history of our garden tool, our mower, the lawnmower. I love so that. you are going to see all kinds of things from the first solar-powered robot grass chopper or the very original ro- uh, mower itself transformed from a very basic contraption that just kind of like snipped at things that actually used to hem guards' uniforms in London It was basically like a giant pair of scissors, but then kind of grew into this machine. It grew from like someone who basically was like a seamstress into something that could cut a blade of grass. Yikes. So you sort of see those initial contraptions into like now, as we're saying, like the solar powered iPads that are going around our yards today. You sort of see it all. And if you have interest in how grass is cut, this museum is for you. <laughs> there are royal lawnmowers belonging to Prince Charles and Princess Diana who, like, have quotes hanging at this museum. They agreed to, you know, lend their time and either, I don't know if it was, like, just their quotes or if anyone made videos for them, but some people in the royal family, like, spoke on the lawnmowers and people they got close to in the lawn mowing world, which is just hilarious to me. And then it goes from the cheapest lawnmowers to the most expensive. You can really see it all. You can get kind of every experience you want if you're interested in trimming your lawn. <laughs> I have no interest in this. I have no interest in this museum, but I thought it was hilarious that it existed and that people actually attended. Yeah, I mean, I was watching uh, your mom's house podcast the other day. And um, Christina Pazitsky, who is a California native, like she, well, I actually don't know. I think she was born here, but she's lived here her whole life. And her and Tom Segura are moving to Austin, Texas. And he he's made some comment about like, yeah, they mow, mow their own lawns there. She had never, she didn't know people mowed their own lawns. No. Because... She had never she seen anyone there was someone hired. mow their own lawns because that's not something that happens in L.A. Because if you have the money to have a house with a yard, you then you're going pay to someone, someone to do the landscaping because it's really difficult out here. You'd have to be pretty like most of the grass is fake anyway. So like True. I get it. I'm not like you upper class. Like no, she wasn't no, raised not rich, at all. but she just I don't even. Yeah, she Judge just her. never, she was like, I didn't realize people did that places. Well, come to the Midwest. She's like, I thought that, that was just in movies. <laughs> oh, my People gosh. would mow their own yards. It's just crazy. Anyways. No, it's literally a chore that people will do. But there are people who are professionals and actually good at it, yeah. which, again, is why the royal family has their special people who now are, you know, they're, like, best friends and being honored at this museum. So... 
it is, it's a job and you can come learn about it here. So if you didn't know people could mow their own lawns, come to this museum. And the don't miss it exhibit <laughs> on this place is a lawnmower that is less than five centimeters high. Okay. And it actually is functional. It can shave Aww. a blade of grass on even the tiniest lawn. It's a okay. super I teeny think that's mini lawnmower. Cute. I know. It works. It's sitting on display and it actually works, guys. So that's pretty adorable. Learn all about lawn mowing in Southport, Merseyside. It's probably like Merseyside, England. Everything's incorrect that I said, but it's in England. <laughs> Look it up. Okay. <laughs> Couple more. There is a hair museum in Turkey. Okay. Avanos is a small town in central Turkey. It is famous for its pottery and its ceramics for the most part, a tradition that goes back thousands and thousands of years. But in the basement of one of the area's renowned ceramic shops is an entirely different attraction. There is a cave-like room filled with hair, or more specifically, locks of hair from more than 16,000 women from along the world, from around the world, along the world, around around the world. world. And included with the locks of hair are notes with their names and their contact information. So why does this exist? There is a semi-cute story behind it, even though I still hate all of it. The story is there is a Turkish potter named Galip who owns the store. Um, People call him Shay Galip, I think is how you say it. Mm -hmm. He had to bid farewell to a dear friend because she was moving away from Avanos. And because the separation was so hard on him, it was a huge burden, his friend decided to cut a lock of her hair for him to keep as a memento and to remember her by. He could hold it close to him, he could smell it, whatever things he wanted to do, she just said, I hope this helps you deal with my departure. So, so many women heard about the sad story of the potter, the ceramics man, the artist, who was holding onto his friend's hair that they said... We will give you a lock of our hair as well. And he was like, no, thank you. No, I don't. I don't want that. <laughs> that wasn't the point of this. <laughs> but Your hair is meaningless to me. <laughs> I don't want your hair. But he was polite. He accepted it. 38 years later in the man, the museum has amassed quite a collection of different colored locks of hair that were all donated to this heartbroken man who lost his friend. So as soon as you enter the cave, you'll notice every surface of the cave except for the floor is covered with these locks of hair and the notes of the women who gave them. It's and some uh, women the worst. even left their photos. It's what? The worst. It looks it's the worst. Like, Are you looking at these photos now? Yeah, I just pulled it up. I didn't like look at the individual ones, but like the very first one when you Google search hair museum turkey, you get a photo of, it looks like the layer in Jeepers Creepers with the bodies on the wall, but instead of oh, bodies, it's just Ashley, hair. Doesn't you're it? You're not wrong. Yeah. But that just upset my stomach a little bit. Yeah. But yes, you're correct. It's just, no, like these weird, yeah, but you're right, it's just these <laughs> chunks of hair hanging off a wall. I'm going through so many emotions because I hate it. I don't like it. Chunks I of also hair feel like sometimes people have smelly hair, and I'm sure they... Yes. Maybe Was these it don't washed? smell, I don't fucking know. I don't We don't know if they were washed and how long have they been hanging there. And then these women also include their photos and their contact information where I'm like, well, what if this stranger comes to find you i just yeah. i don't why agree do they do that is that sort everything. of a um is that like symbolism like how people put the locks on the bridge and yes and it's supposed to be a way to contact them and apparently this new thing has started this is more in recent years which i discovered twice a year in june and december the first customer to enter galip's shop on a particular day is called the lucky person who gets to go down to the museum and pick 10 winners off of the wall at random who will receive an all-expenses-paid vacation to Avanos, where yeah. this hair shop is, as a thank you for their support. So they get a vacation, but also you're just going to this small town of Avanos and basically just coming to take a pottery class with this guy. Right. Which isn't the worst, because he is one of the most like renowned pottery masters in the yeah, world. Yeah, it's not like paying me to give you a pottery class. Right. Like, he's the guy you want to go to, and, like, that is a huge, like, he's very famous for that. But 
It's just kind of funny to me because also in my head, I was assuming that everyone that was donating the hair sort of lived nearby. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, what if they they think they're winning a prize, but it's just come an hour to this shop that you like have already been to? I don't know. But either way, I think that is part of the reason the contact information exists, but also it's just supposed to kind of pay tribute to all of the women who have donated their hair and just be this emotional thing tied to this guy, but I don't know how I feel about it. You are not expected to donate your hair if you enter here. You can totally just walk in and look around, but there is an area where there are scissors, paper, and pen, and tape, so that if you want to donate your hair while you're in there, you can, and then you can go visit the shop upstairs and hang out with the ceramics master. So just enjoy. Wow. <sighs> I know. I don't know how I feel about I it. Won't, it's a lot. I okay. probably won't go to that one. I won't. You know what? I won't do it. So far, won't go to any of them. But <laughs> I was going to say, would you go <laughs> to the death museum? <laughs> or uh, the dick museum. Or penises? Okay, I am ending it with this one right here. And again, it's it's a high note, I promise, because there have been some weird ones. This is the Cup of Noodle Museum, <laughs> the <laughs> post-war food revolution of cup noodles, which deserves a museum. And there are two locations that exist in Japan, so never fear. Here's a little history of it. By developing the first instant noodles... The flavor was chicken ramen. In August 1958, a man named Momofuku Ando created the first success of a future giant of the Japanese food industry. The museum focuses on teaching the public the story of Momofuku Ando and all of his creations. It also stresses Ando's philosophy that if you have an idea with passion and tenacity, you can achieve it. You can invent something that will change the world. This man had a very modest little workshop out of his garden, and he would also ride around on his bike with his little instant noodles. He had a dream. He made it happen, and his little modest garden is actually reconstructed in the museum you enter, which is very cute. So in 1971, this was the actual year that Ando developed cup noodles, he had been, you know, kind of working on it for years and serving people this, like, very quick ramen that he was able to whip up but this was when it like officially came to the market it was called cup noodles it was those instant noodles in plastic cups and it transformed the instant made made in japan ramen that we know today into a global product it's fast to prepare it was nutritious low-priced cup noodles was a huge popular success and it changed everybody's eating habits and today more than 100 billion cups are sold worldwide Damn. So he was the creator of all of this. Yeah, like, we all love cup of noodles. I actually don't. Don't? That's the end of that sentence? Like cup noodles. <laughs> but I will that's say, having and said that, having said, like, I don't like them. I They're too, so I don't like salt. I'm not a sodium girl. Oh, they're very Exactly, salty. so I've never been able to eat them. However, that being said, of all the museums you've talked about today, this is the one I go to because it looks awesome. Right? Doesn't it sound amazing? Yeah, and it looks awesome if you look it up. Like, you just get to see about all of the different ramen and the noodles that existed. It not only exhibits Momofuku Ando's personal belongings, the history, and a great variety of his products that you can all check out through a ramen tunnel. <sighs> it's set up in a very cool way. There are also all kinds of multimedia devices, and there's even a little theater that you can go watch some of the history and watch how the ramen was made. And the theater is even in the form of a cup noodle, which is very oh fun. My God. I love Japan. And then there is an area that is a place for culinary experimentation. You get to go back and create your own instant noodles and cup noodles. At the Chicken Ramen Factory, you knead the dough, you make fresh noodles, and you fry them. In the Cup Noodle Factory Workshop, you can create your own ramen recipe, selecting your favorite soup from four varieties, as well as four ingredients from the 12 that they offer you there. You can just become a little chef, and I think even by paying a little extra, you can take home like a full package of all of the cup noodles that they offer anyway. So you get to have a lot of fun at this place while also learning the history 
And in true Japan fashion, they just make everything look so good. And everything is like in cup noodle form and decor and design. And it's super, super fun. I have always wanted to visit Japan. And this just makes me even more excited that this weird museum exists. The two locations are in Osaka and Yokohama for anyone who wanted yeah i love this place i mean i'm just looking you know at the pictures again and it's just so cool and i have no interest in cup so of noodles fun. because i don't eat them but but it's just a good time yeah really. i would I love that this absolutely exists. go to this and guys the the like food station where you make your own i thought it was a candy station i thought it was like yep, designed look. to look like you were making cup noodles um, but it was actually a bunch of little candies and I was like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> but no, yeah, it is actually because, you know, when you buy cup noodles, it's it's like freeze dried right. things in, in, in there yeah. that you add the boiling water to. That's how it works. Guys, yeah. do I have to explain cup noodles to you? <laughs> all right. Don't make it's me so do funny this. because Alex came home from China and all he wanted to do was go to this local market that like sells a lot of different Asian style foods and was like, we have to buy all the ramen and cup noodles because <laughs> there are ones that are better better than yeah. others. There's very like Americanized cup noodles, but then there's also the ones where it's like they include all the really fun spices and things to add. And yes, at the end of the day, you're just pouring boiling water on top of noodles and seasoning, but there are certain ones that allow you to add you know, a couple packets of flavor yeah. and kind of make Listen, it your own. Listen, that's soup, baby. Yeah, that's right. That's soup, that's whether you make about. it from scratch or make it from a pack. It's just hot yep. water on things. Hot water on flavor. But yeah. this guy was part of the invention of that and at boy, a time oh when that's people so cool. were looking for like a quick meal. And so he was revolutionary Do you think time. he has money? I want to say yes. But I'm worried, no. <laughs> is How he you still feel? alive? He is. Okay, what's his name? But Momofuku Ando. He is worth about $100 million. Okay, he's got money, y'all. He's got a little bit of cash, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's got some walking around, walking around cash. He's not just scraping by. Jesus. Yeah, I didn't. I hadn't looked up his net worth. I just assumed now that he has a literal museum in two locations, he was probably doing okay. But sometimes you worry. It's like, well, does it was this kind money of a joke. I was him? like, do you think he has money? And I thought you were going to be like, ha, yeah, he does. But you were like, I don't know. I was like, oh, shit. Like, what could have happened? The reason I said I don't know was because, and I didn't include this in my little story for the sake of time, but here we are still going on. <laughs> he had sold... <laughs> He had sold, like, all of his ideas to then this, like, big food company. So I didn't know how much he got out of that. True. Just because you hear of stories of people getting screwed over. Taking so that job. was the only reason I hesitated. Because, yes, okay. in any other situation, I'd be like, this guy's rolling in the dough. But <laughs> he is rolling in the dough. He did it, guys. He did it. American dream. The Japanese dream. Oh, shoot. He is dead. No! Sorry, everybody. He died in 2007. Uh... But he lived a good life. He was Goodbye, born in 1910, y'all. No, was... yeah, he was old. It's not like he was, you know, 40. <laughs> he was but... old af. And he died rich. And honestly, most of the Google images I'm seeing now, he's wearing really lovely sunglasses oh, in his old cool age. Oh, he looks cool as shit. Yeah. So you know he was really cool. And nobody screwed him over and stole all of his money and his ideas. So that is cool. God bless him. <laughs> That's the museum I would go to. The one that I would Same. least like to go to would have to be. Gotta go with the lawnmowers. Simply I because I just. I could I find no something to be interested in in the Dick Museum. I could find something to be interested in the Death Museum. Right. Cup of noodles. I'm in. Oh, I don't know. The hair. The hair, though. That place I don't even want to walk into. I, it's so funny because you mentioned the this. smell. I am now very concerned about the smell of the all of the hair hanging in there. It can't be good. When Just I think that... Be. I feel like when it's cut off of your person, you know, the reason hair starts to smell is because the oil's on your, in, on your scalp, you know, getting... 
to your hair and yeah. like environmental and I guess they're stuff. not being produced anymore. Yeah. So I'm thinking maybe it wouldn't. I don't know. I'm just saying by based on looks alone, I also feel like once you just get to walk in and be like, yep, that's a lot of hair and then leave because it's not like you're going to walk around and be like, I like this hair. I like this hair. <laughs> right. This is the hair I like, you know, so. <laughs> right. Okay. Well. So I've changed my vote. I would go to Cup Noodle Museum. <laughs> I would not go to Hair Museum. I would totally go really to favorite. to Lawnmower before hair. Just go to the lawnmower museum only to see that teeny tiny lawnmower That's exactly that functions. I'd be like, <laughs> show me, prove to me that this works. Show me, baby mower. If you show me that this works, you win a prize, and that prize is airfare to this cave in Turkey, <laughs> filled with you fucking. You get to go hair. to Avenos to see the locks of hair. <laughs> And you get to take a pottery class. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, man. Well, well, that's all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. Thank you guys so much, as per usual, for listening to our show and hanging out with us every single week. Thank you extra to those of you who go above and beyond and follow us on social media. Give our show five-star ratings on iTunes. Donate to our Patreon and wear our merch. Y'all are the real MVPs. We love you. Follow us at Keep It Weird Cast across all platforms to be in the know about upcoming episodes. You'll also know about upcoming giveaways. We like to give away merch and we're actually going to be giving away a free month of our Patreon soon and you'll be able to participate in the episodes when we ask questions that we would like to feature in the episodes, usually on our Instagram. Um, donate to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast. Every month we release two bonus episodes. We send out a full newsletter. There are discounts on merch and Avi will give you a shout out on the show. So you'll be like sort of famous. Grab yourself a t-shirt or a hoodie from www.etsy.com slash shop slash keepitweirdpodcast. We've got some great stuff on there. And we're always rotating styles. So if you have any requests for like funny quotes or anything, shoot them our way. We definitely take it into consideration. Yes. What is our sign off today? Hair today on a wall in Turkey tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That was it. That was all that came to me. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. No, it's that's not perfect. good, but I mean That's perfect. Hair today <laughs> in hell tomorrow because that is a nightmare to me. Hair today in a ceramics shop tomorrow. Today. I don't know. <laughs> You know what? We'll work on it. We'll sleep on it. And we'll get back to you guys and let you know what we'll come up with. Um, In the meantime, keep it weird. Keep it weird. So you'll be able to participate in the episodes. Wait. Here we go again. It's the closing. It's the closing that gets me. It's getting you tonight. Uh, we like to give away merch, and we're actually going to be giving a away. <laughs> I'm in my head. 